Welcome to The Deep Dish. My name is Alyssa Lewis, and I am a daughter, a sister, and a friend with an unquenchable thirst to understand everything in the world around me as much as possible. In this space, voices will be amplified, respected, and listened to. And the only requirement is that you aren't a racist, that you aren't homophobic, xenophobic, or a misogynist. But anyway, come dish it with me. I am so excited to see the things that we'll bake up together. I hope that my conversations with these incredible guests will be the sweetest treat of your day. Because as they say, as long as you know how to bake, life will sure be sweet. Welcome to my podcast, everybody. I'm excited to get to know more about you. Today I have a phenomenal guest. Her name is Aisha Ike. I've known Aisha for a long time. Um, when I was younger, her father, her late father, was the pastor of my home church. And then when they moved to another church, my dad actually took over that church. So I've known this family for a very a scary long time since I was little um, and I'm 30. So let's start there. But I'm so glad to have Aisha on today. She is, you're a licensed cl- clinician, is that correct? Working on my license. You're working on your license, but a clinician nonetheless, praise the <laughs> Lord. <laughs> and I just thought it'd be a great time to have a clinician on um, and just to, to throw this podcast right into the wind and be like, hey, we're going to just go out strong. Um, and so welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I am so excited for today. (laughs) Um, so again, it's called the deep dish. And so as I was telling you earlier, I love baking. Baking has been therapy for me in so many instances when I didn't understand the value of going to an actual therapist. So to start off our conversation, I want to ask you, what is your favorite childhood dessert and why? I remember having pound cake as my favorite childhood dessert. I think it's just, it has like that rich taste to it. You know what I mean? Um, and that hint of, my favorite flavor is like vanilla. So when it has like that hint of vanilla, like it's just like the, and especially when it's warm and you get some nice vanilla ice cream with it, you know, it melts. Like, I think that was my favorite part of remembering childhood. Yeah. And so what, what memories come with that? Like what's the, if you think about pound cake and you go back to that childhood place, what's your, what's a memory that's attached to that? Definitely family. Like a lot of family events, because mm-hmm. um, my aunt, she's really good at making pound cake. But um, but yeah, a lot of family events just being around, and actually even thinking of my dad, um, like after church, you know, when they have the, mm-hmm. all the church services, someone would always make pound cake. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it was just like you know, just um, being in like communion with people mm-hmm. and just being around people in that fellowship is just like you know, it bright brightens your day, just like being around people. Yeah. And so as a kid, when did you discover, or was it as a kid or was it when you got older, did you discover that you had a passion for helping people? Um, tell me a little bit about that. So I 
feel like it started when I was younger, but you know, when you're young, you don't really have like the word, like when we're young, oh, I want to be a teacher. or I want to be this when I grow up. But so I honestly, I feel like I really noticed when I was in high school and, you know, it started with, you know, you give your friends some advice, but then they'd be like, oh, that's like some really good advice. And then at first on my under, in undergrad, I was a uh, psychology. That was my uh, bachelor's degree. And then I was just like, but how I, I didn't really wasn't too into the research part of psychology. I was just like, I really just, you know, I just want to help people. I want to, you know, add some kind of positivity to someone's life. And then I heard of social work and I was like, okay, like, let me go get into that master's program. Um, but I think it really, it really did start in like high school. Like my friends have been like a real um, aspiration around that and just like moving forward. And, and then it just, once I decided to go to grad school for my master's and like really just learning like about the mind more and how to really like intervene and help people and through crisis, crisis um, in situations like that, it just, it just, I was just always had a passion of just really truly just genuinely helping people in the community um, as well as just having people have come have a safe space, you know, and that's really what therapy is, is like being able to have a safe space where the outside world might not get you as much and you can try to connect with the therapist and you build that relationship from there, you know? Yeah. Cause you know, one thing that I always think about when, especially when it comes to uh, some believers in, you know, in religion and everything like that, my, my undergraduate degree was in liberal studies, but my concentration was in ethics and religion. So I always have had this kind of um, interesting view because I feel as if in, in our black community, you know, the, the, the thought is all you need is Jesus, right? You don't need to go to therapy. Um, and it's almost as if therapy is considered voodoo, right? <laughs> or just this really hot topic of things that we shouldn't explore. And so one thing that I, I, I wonder is that in that moment of you discovering this thing, did you ever feel um, the church pressure of like, that's not a, 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 a profession you should go into? <laughs> I actually did it. Um, that's a good question, but no, I actually didn't feel that pressure. I think cause for myself, it's just like, when I think of something or if I want to go after something, I don't really try to worry about what the next person's going to think. You know what I mean? Kind of just like, this is what I'm passionate about. And it's not for you to understand. It's for me to understand, you know? So I, thankfully I didn't let that kind of like create that in my mind. Like, am I doing the wrong thing? Is this what I should be going into? Cause at the end of the day, like, yes, we have church, but they're also, you have to get help outside of those four walls. You can't just hope for Sunday and to come get your healing. Like that's an everyday, it's, it's work every day. It's not, you know, we're not just letting it out the altar on Sunday. So what happens Monday through Saturday? Right. You know, like what, what are you doing? Are you, are you, practicing anything for yourself are you trying to journal or you know affirmations for yourself are you around people reaching out to people because you know sometimes it's hard like to trust you know trust people and but that's what you that's what I think is great about therapy because you get to learn those coping skills you get to learn like oh I, I can just communicate how I feel to someone and not feel bad that I feel this way you know um knowing that your feelings are valid so but yeah I never tried to really let that stop me from making that yeah because I think of I think of like so church for me or like like you said leaving at the altar right I think of that as okay this is me deciding that or me um 
realizing that I'm not in control of any of this, mm-hmm. right? But then, mo- then Monday, and actually even Sunday, but let's say Monday through Friday, let's put a work week, right? But Monday through Friday, that's when I put in the work, right? It's an everyday um, decision to com- confront all of my issues, mm-hmm. realizing that I'm not in control. And so another question that I have is that because even, you know, I'm a big proponent of therapy. I'm like, everybody needs to be in therapy. I'm down to grandmama. Everybody needs to be in therapy. If everyone could, please come. (laughs) (laughs) Come to therapy, please. Um, But what would you say to encourage those people that that have those views of like, all I need is Jesus? Mm -hmm. You know, how how do we um, explain to them how fundamental therapy can be and in ways I think even strengthening your relationship with your you know your faith I would honestly I think it really it comes down to like asking yourself like how do you want to show up for yourself you know Mm. and when you can yes it be in your bible yes go get the word you know be go to um bible study go get the lesson but when those times when you're not in church on Sunday, you know, you're not at Bible study, you're, you, you're not, you know, listening to your praise and worship music and you're in that dark room alone at night by yourself. And like, can you really ask yourself, like, is there something else I need? You know, is there something else that's needed to help me through this thing we call life? Right. Um, so in anyone who's like maybe religion or your faith is stopping you from getting the extra help because yeah, Jesus got you. At the end of the day, he got you. He, he got you. But it's also Jesus needed help too. Think about it. He had the 12 disciples. He had, mm. you know, he had people around mm. him. He that and I it's almost like like where does your help come from? It comes from God, but it also comes from community. Mm. Mm-hmm. He didn't place you in this world alone, you know, and also thinking like right. if you're looking for God's love, it's art like it's already within you, it's within yourself he made you. So it's like, so if someone thought of you that much to make you that and make you this wonderful person, why would then he want to stop you from receiving extra help? You know, because especially when someone's like, you know how people have a hard time, like, I want, I need to hear God's voice. Well, God speaks through people. Like I legit had clients say like, how did you, how did you say, like, how did you say that? Like, I just don't understand. (laughs) They're like, wow, like that makes so much sense. But they're just like, I needed that. Like some people say like, I feel like you were an angel talking or something like it. They need, some people really need to hear that audio. Like this is what the way to go. This is how you need to do it. You know? Um, so definitely it's just like, encourage your, like how that song says, encourage yourself, (laughs) you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. Cause Cause I even think about that, you know, it's so important to not be in an echo chamber, right? So, you know, one of my really, one thing that I'll call an accomplishment of mine is like, none of my close friends are people that like we now structurally or foundationally, we have the very same things, even if they don't believe or have a faith or anything like that. We believe in everyone is a person. Everyone should be treated well. People deserve love. Love is love. You know, so based on the basics, we are the same. But how we've lived life, our, you know, so our experiences, the things that we hold dear, 
they're all different. And so regardless of what conversation I end, my, I end up in, um, I'm always getting a different perspective. And so it's very rare for me to have someone in my life that's like, absolutely, I agree with you. You know, it, it's, it's, it's never that. And I think um, some people are constantly engulfed in a echo chamber and don't have any outside perspective. And I just feel like that that is dangerous. <laughs> it is because, honestly, I think, um, I just was having this conversation with some of my friends. It's like, are we really being true to each other if we're always just, yes men to each other or we're always agreeing like it's okay to agree to disagree like I feel like that's friendship like if we can't agree to disagree then, then how are we friends you know um and and if you only set yourself with people who agree with you that means you need to go within and ask yourself why am I only comfortable with allowing people around me who will just agree with me is it to keep me st- like stagnant basically you know right because, um, you know, so for this interview, I was, I was, I really wanted to look at like statistics, especially for black Americans or people that, you know, identify as black or African-American, some statistics around mental health. And so this is what I found. 13.4% of the U.S. population identifies as black or African-American. Of those, over 16% report having a mental illness in the past year. And that is over... 7 million people. And that is more than um, Chicago, Houston, and Philadelphia combined. I was, I was taken aback by that. And then I started looking at other, at at everything else, because then, um, you know, we have people in low socioeconomic um, communities who don't have access to this. And so, you know, I sent I sent out a questionnaire as you answered to all of my guests who everyone has told me so far it's difficult and I really didn't think it was as hard as it is but I guess because you have to put <laughs> I think you just got to put some thought into it it's uh it might be like oh she's not asking regular questions she's making me think um but you said you're passionate about helping people discover themselves their best selves um So how can people who may not have access to these resources find ways to benefit or find ways to incorporate, um, you know, some of these teachings, like where can they go or, 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 or anything like that? is like a great outlet. Um, there's so many like different pages, especially like, um, around like mental health, especially black mental health. Um, and it's just like, if you just type it in, it, it's at the palm of your hand. Like there's different, I follow different pages on, um, Instagram. I wish I had it pulled up, but I just, I, I want to back up because my computer ended up glitching when you said it's, but what you said was, is that social media. Mm-hmm. Okay. So social media. Yeah. Um, you know, it can, sometimes it could be very draining, but, um, if you, if you're mm-hmm. on it for the right reasons, or if you're looking for a certain thing, you can find what you're looking for, you know? And, um, there is a lot of pages like around black mental health and they'll like have coping skills for you. They'll even show you like hotlines you can call when you, you know, if you can't say you can't, your insurance, you don't have insurance or it just doesn't cover, um, certain therapy. Um, 
but there's just so many outlets to look on. And for, for me, there's, especially since the pandemic, there's been so many people going live and, um, you know, talking about mental health and, and just and being encouraging. Um, even myself, um, I have this page with my best friend called She Is Today. And we, we post like inspirational quotes, um, really around women empowerment, but, in, you know, inspiration, because you, you never know if someone needs it one day, you know what I mean? Um, but just like, I really think social media is a great outlet for that. Um, when you really just, you know, want, want extra help or feeling like I need encouragement right now, I or I don't know where to turn to. Um, social media has been like, I, as I've seen, has been a really mm -hmm. so tell me more about she is today so it's you and your best friend mm -hmm. and um what inspired it honestly because we're, we're both in the social work field <laughs> um so i feel like that inspired it a lot mm -hmm. and just like a lot of conversations her and i have together and like they're just very uplifting like if one's down you know have friends how you are with your friends like one's down we got you if the other one's down that person got you and we just wanted to really just have a space for people to come where like um just knowing like who you are so she is right so she is strong she is enough she is worthy like these very strong affirmations that you don't forget who you are you know and um it can get lost so easily in this world that like all those affirmations like that's why it's an everyday act like people think healing is just this linear no it's it's literally it's no final destination you have to constantly work on yourself every single day and I think that's why people tend to kind of just back away from therapy or back because it's it's work as humans we are lazy <laughs> that as you said your favorite word period. Period. <laughs> like <laughs> that that is so true that it's daunting because I think what's what what a lot of people if you're not in therapy I think the the thing that's surprising about therapy is that the work doesn't actually happen in therapy it happens afterwards a lot of my res revelations um after a therapy session I feel overwhelmed because it's like my, I'm it's thinking on steroids right but in this very laser focused perspective and it's it's the work is afterwards right because what you've done is you've you've talked it out you've gotten a, a really um per great perspective because one of my favorite things about therapy and i say this all the time i love talking to someone that does not love me because if i have to talk to my mom if i have to talk to my best friend it's under the umbrella of i want the best for you right there's this love that's attached to it and so not only is there a love that's attached to it, but it's what they hope is the best for me that is also attached to it, right? And when I'm talking to someone that does not love me, there's no, that I'm paying for, okay. there's no need for them, right? There's no need for them to lie to me. And there's no umbrella or, or anything hovering over mm. what they're telling mm -hmm. me. That's okay. Like, you know, like my, my therapist basically was like, you like to get involved in other people's business. I was like, oh, I love it when you had those moments. And they'd be like, <laughs> like she did not have to come to me like that. <laughs> but, but afterwards I had to really, I was like, oh snap. <laughs> not only did she tell me about myself, but she's right. Mm. I had to sit with that for like three days. And you take it differently because, and like you said, imagine if that came from your sister or imagine that came from your mother. You would have been like, oh, first of all, who 
who y'all talking to? <laughs> like, who? <laughs> you know, so right. that, like you said, not having that um love attached to it. It's like, I still feel some type of way, but hold on, let me sit with this and think about it. Yeah. And that, it's something that my mother does say often, like, you know, she's like, you, you'll take other people's recommendations or what they say differently than what I say, even though it might be the same thing. You know, and I'm just like, and I don't know what that switch is that like, if it's a family member or someone that you have a close relationship with, you know, or or, or even if it was an enemy that was saying that you would almost pop off, be like, those are fighting. Why are you, you feel like you're being coming, like someone's coming at you. But with a therapist, I don't know if it's because you're saying I'm, I'm paying her to tell me about myself or paying them to tell me about myself, but it's sometimes they y'all be doing the most <laughs> and, and, but think about it too like you know you know what you're ready for and I love to already tell my clients like from the from the beginning I said this is your time I make that clear like this is your time so come in do the work or you're just going to keep having these same cycles because you know some people like to sugarcoat it we don't got time for that. We, if you want to get this healing, like, let's go, you know? And it's just like, you're, if you continue to come in with the same problem each week, I'd be like, so, so did you try that coping skills today? Uh, oh, no? Okay. Uh, did you try what we talked about that? No, I didn't. Okay. So, so then how are we going to change that? The, or is it not changing? And they'd be like, well, miss, but okay. Even the teenagers, teenagers are the great, the good ones, because <laughs> <laughs> right. Cause I work with all, I, my youngest is like five, mm. my oldest is like 67. And then my teens are from 15 to like 26. So even, cause I'm only 27. So it's interesting right. working with people around my age, honestly. Yeah. My first so how, like they're how, realistic. let's like, dive into that a little bit though. <laughs> so you are providing services across a really wide spectrum mm-hmm. um so because you're 27 I can see you getting like respect from the kids to the teenagers what is it like to have clients that are older than you do you have to are, is there any like having to assert that like I know what I'm doing sometimes it feels that way but in all honesty like when it's I feel like it's so different when people are like coming for help you know what mm-hmm. I mean because like even like I have this one client she's like in her 50s and at first I don't usually tell people my age especially my clients I don't even the kids they'd be, they be like oh are you 50 I'm like 50 but <laughs> I'm like kids, kids are kids are the worst. so they are the worst. <laughs> but um, but I usually don't tell. But one of my clients, she was just like, I just really want to like, because especially we're on the phone, you know, now everything is telehealth. So we're on the phone. And she was like, I just, can I just know your age? Like, she's like, you one, I already sound young. So <laughs> she was like, how old are you? I was like, I'm 27. She was like, you are as old as my daughter. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> I was like, well, yep. And I was like, and I asked her, I was like, is that okay? Like, is this? does this cause you any different feelings? She's like, honestly, no. She's like, well, she's funny. She was like, I need to keep up with the young people. She was like, you gonna keep me in check. That's what she told me. So <laughs> it was like, but it was, I actually don't feel like any, I don't feel like from them, at least, it doesn't seem like I'm like, my age is like a, well, what you gonna tell me? You only in your mm-hmm. 20s. Like, you know, it doesn't come off like that, which is like nice. But um, I could see sometimes where they could be like, well, how are you going to help me with this? Like you haven't even experienced. Right, that. right. Like you know? I'm here talking to you about menopause. You are not. <laughs> you, 
<laughs> you know? Yeah, because, you know, I think uh, I think about that, like, you know, um, I'm in HR, and what I think is interesting about that is uh, I, I, it, the encounters that I get sometimes, like, people will argue with me, and I'm like, you do know you are interviewing with me. I already got the job. You know, like, how are you arguing with the person you're asking a job for? You know, and so I've had some really interesting encounters. And so I, I'm, I'm sure. On that. I was like, Oop. right, right, right. You know, um, but so in your uh, specific workplace, do you have, is it diverse, your clients, or are you mostly seeing black and brown people? Um, It's actually... I don't have a lot of black or brown people. Mine is really. Um, it's more brown people actually. Okay. Um, I don't actually. There's not a lot of um Caucasian. There's, okay. Because I I work in Springfield, Springfield. Okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 So it's you know it's a lot of brown people. Um, mm-hmm. not a lot of black people. Um, but and I feel like too going back, you said something earlier about like um being lied to, and mm-hmm. that put me to the perspective of why some black people don't seek therapy and I think um, when it comes to the medical field a lot I think it's the mistrust mm-hmm. that black people have experience with medical mm-hmm. providers so even like honestly when a black person hears that I'm a black person African-American oh my god I'm so happy like I feel like I can like they feel like they can connect with me better mm-hmm. you know and um honestly I don't blame them <laughs> for saying that I don't, yeah. I don't. And, um, and you can just tell the way the conversation shifts when we start actually diving into like all their, you know, interventions and things, but, and then, well, if you think about it, I don't have to explain anything to you. I Correct. don't have to explain my experience or go into detail of why something hurt my feelings or explain the dog whistle. Whereas, you know, um, in other situations, um, you know, black patients may feel as if they have to explain why the why they feel this way you know and i mean even right now so i live in maine first of all so you know it's a maine is i think the whitest state in the country or either the second i can't we always flip between us and vermont um and i think in the state alone there might be eight the whole state eight black therapists maybe and i think there's three that are in the portland which is a major city area and a lot of other people tend to be um in the northern region but my issue in the state is my father is very well known Mm. he's known not only in black spaces but he's known in white spaces too but he's predominantly known in black space, <laughs> black and brown, I should say. Um, and so I didn't want a black therapist because I felt, well, in this, in where I'm currently living, oh. because I felt that that would be, could potentially be way too close to home. Okay. To home. And I wanted someone who had no idea who my dad was. You were, okay. You know, because like I used to work at a hospital and people would come up to me all the time and would say, oh, tell your dad I said hi. And I'm like, oh, how do you know? <laughs> how do you know <laughs> who's my? How do you know who's my? Who my dad is? Like you wouldn't have had that privacy. 
I did. And not and understanding that uh, clinicians and all doctors, they're, you know, HIPAA, they're, but it just, it didn't, I was like, it didn't feel like no. you. <laughs> if, if he could, if this person could potentially have my dad's number, I'm, I do not <laughs> want to talk to you <laughs> as my therapist. But in bigger metropolitan areas, there tends to be more black therapists, but there's there, I, I would think a majority of their clients would be white and probably Hispanics and, you know, um, and then in the hospital that I worked at, you know, we have a lot of, um, people from the diaspora and it would be a lot of white clinicians helping these people. And I always wondered how, you know, especially where a lot of their trauma is tied to white people. Mm. How does that exasperate or does it exasperate their trauma? Um, and so I've always just been really interested in, in how, like, did you go into therapy wanting to serve your community or was it just therapy that you wanted to, you know, be in? It would be great to think like I could just go into therapy and serve my community per se, but mm-hmm. in all, all honesty, then you have to be like realistic. Um, and you, like you said, there, especially in these areas, the metropolitan areas, there are a lot of black therapists but they're not a lot of black clients, you know? Mm. And I think that comes again from not even just the church, but your family, um, especially the black woman. I see, will get into therapy real quick. Now the men, they're looked at what you need. You a man, what you need that for? Oh, you, you don't need to go talk to somebody, talk to somebody. You better talk to Jesus. You know, like, right. <laughs> it's just like, but it, so honestly like I did go into therapy just like I'm just going to do therapy Mm -hmm. for everyone you know Um, yeah because I mean I I mean even if I think about um black men in in their version of going to therapy you know as we all know it always stems back to slavery right always them being um emasculated in front of black women and then Mm -hmm. you know that culture transforming into the black community as black men are supposed to be the strong emotionless um just void of a person you know and then that behavior then being um repeated in in words of like you you a man don't cry you know like mm-hmm. and everything from our music just constantly perpetuating that idea that men are supposed to be such a, emotionless it's at such a young age you yeah seven year year old boy crying because he fell what you crying for he just fell he, he needs to cry it out <laughs> it's okay right. you know? he has feelings that's feeling you know, not yeah or or even if it's something like he's disappointed or you know so it just and then it and then I think what I think of is how then that morphs into you know whether they are marrying black women or other black men but then there being this complaint of you don't share your feelings with me well he's never had that experience his entire life to, to share and his feelings emotionally unavailable mm-hmm. and then that stems into like you said the relationships and then you wonder why certain things are happening because he doesn't know how to communicate because he's been told to shut that side of him off mm-hmm. it's incredible it's incredible the how so many things and i think a lot of my friends always they don't probably i wouldn't say get tired of hearing it but i always say well that goes back to slavery you know because it re- it really does the mentality of it all 
you know, I, one thing that I've always just been, um, really proud of my dad for is that, you know, especially in like church spaces, he's not afraid to cry. And that, you know, like you can visibly see when he cries or, you know, when it comes to his kids, he is an emotional, <laughs> he is, emo he does not like to see his kids uncomfortable, hurt mm -hmm. or anything like that, you know, super protective, but very much so a papa bear. Right. And so when I, when I think of the things or how I've seen my dad, it makes it for me difficult to, and I hate to use the word settle because I know that there are, there are plenty of men out there that are working on themselves. And for that, we celebrate you because <laughs> look, women like me are out here, you know, praying for you and making sure that you are continuing your journey because we want healthy relationships. And, you know, and so I just think that I just try to figure out how the messaging, how we can change that messaging. And and because I don't I still don't see that it's changing as much as it should. But, you know, I, I can truly say like men are truly starting to like get into their healing journey. I think it's really especially with this pandemic and everything they're really seeing. They, they needed an outlet. They needed something else. Like, because everybody was stuck in home mm -hmm. <laughs> for a year now, you know, like, and like, you, you need more, you didn't have the distractions anymore. There was no, I'm gonna just go kick it with my boys real quick, or I'm gonna just go here real quick. Like it was, I, you have to sit with your emotions. Now, how are you going to do it? Yeah. You know, and it's, and it, and it truly shows like, like how important it is to be emotionally available, yeah. you know, and, um, and not like, feeling what's the word I can't think of the word but like not feeling ashamed like ashamed for having feelings like um I even wrote something yesterday because it's just you know all the chaos in the world right now um but it's like we shouldn't yes it's 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 like unknown it's it's a undaunting feeling right now but as African-Americans it is not our problem <laughs> this is not Aisha, our if you problem. go on my Facebook right now you'll see <laughs> what I said today's mood is and it's mm -hmm. a gif of safari from love and hip-hop LA eating chicken wings and minding his business because what I realized in sitting with myself and going to therapy one thing that my therapist says is like you have to realize where you stop and mm. everything else begins and when she said that to me I said wow just, just knowing, you know, something is beyond my power. If something is not within my um, circle of being able to control, why am I trying to control it? And if it's just going to bring me more angst, why would I purposely put myself in that rear view to, to experience that? And so it, it, she has taught me to say, well, is does Alyssa continue there or does Alyssa stop a little bit before that? And mm. I was on Wednesday, I would say on Wednesday and Thursday and maybe even Friday, I was upset. I was because, you know, watching it over and over again, how it's different from how black and brown people are policed and it being so visual right because i think i think what ends up happening is like we'll see 
some coverage of Black Lives Matter protests, and then we'll see how like um, cops are dealing with them, or or we'll see old videos of how cops have um, peacefully uh, uh, arrested another white person. But this was live, and and we are watching this live, and it was such a I felt in a way that someone spit in my face, and I had no I could not I could not retaliate. <laughs> back i had i couldn't do anything but see that with that too Alyssa, it's like then ask ask ourselves like why is that you know obviously like looking at that because everything that's been going on it's like so of course the first question is well why why did that happen to them but this happened to us this way you know but you have to think of it almost like if we're asking that we're kind of like cursing ourselves in a way mm. you know we're pulling something over ourselves that's like but that's not our problem. Mm -hmm. That's a them problem. That's why you you said to have the meme with the chicken. Mind your business. Minding my own business. Minding our own business. Yeah. Because literally what they got going on right now, that's just white people showing what white people do. Yeah, and I think and I think that's just the the thing that um you know what was kept ringing true or what a lot of news commentators kept saying was this is just so surprising. Or they kept saying, well, why is it different? And mm -hmm. I think it became maddening in a way because I'm like, y'all know, you can see the difference. It's not something mm -hmm. that has to be explained to you. And I understand that sometimes that they, you know, they may say things to draw other people's attention, but it's just always amazing to me. But that plays a part of a lot of black people's PTSD. And so, you know, like on Wednesday, so many black people were triggered. Mm -hmm. And you know what happened Wednesday? I literally was leaving work. At first, I didn't know what was going on. I was leaving work. I just see all these things on Twitter, on Instagram. On I'm like, what is happening? And the first thing, before I even did anything, one, I remember my aunt is in D.C. Um, and I texted her and I said, make sure you are stocked up. You have this, you have that, all this. And she was like, I am stuck in the classroom with my children right now. We are on lockdown. My heart said, who? What? Like, these people didn't even think of the madness they caused with it. Like, you know, like you're adding, just adding trauma, adding yeah. trauma. And the second thing I did was I texted my mother and I said, please turn off the news. She said, but I want to, please turn off the news. Turn it off. Why do you want to keep putting these images in your mind that we've constantly already seen? Mm. Turn it off. Mind your business. You've already watched it. You know what's going on. So turn it off. You know what's happening in the world. You know? And she was just like, okay, Shay, you're right. I'll turn it off. But like, it was just like, because it's just like, we, 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 we get, again, we get the choice. We can continue to watch and we're going to be upset regardless. Right. Or turn off and be like, you know what? I'm going to go. I said, so what's for dinner tonight? I had my two guys. I said, what y'all want? Chinese tonight? Okay, let's do that. Right. <laughs> like, it's just, we're just, you so, know. Because so what was, so what's the, okay. Because my dad said to me the other day, mm -hmm. I never thought I would say this to you, but Alyssa, please turn off the news. That's what he said. What's the, ben what's the benefit? Because a lot of people will argue with you, Aisha. That I need yeah. to see what's going on. I need to be updated. So but why do you need to be why do you need to see it? What in you is making you if you're especially if it's gonna keep ticking you off or getting you upset, why are you gonna keep traumatizing yourself seeing this getting you upset when you already know you're mad? So you just wanna add to your anger. 
when you, instead of diffusing your anger and going to just do something else and not having to worry about, like, you already know what, like, that's what my mom, you know what's going on already. So why are you going to keep watching it? The same replays, the same, you know, little videos, the same um, commentator talking. What's the point? Now that you say that, it makes so much sense. Because no one said anything different, regardless of anything. regardless mm-hmm. of what hour of news I, I watched. But I think, especially because we're in a world and we're in a pandemic, what else are we going to do? You know? Listen, you, there is plenty you could have, what, I listened to some music. I, like I said, I was with my guys. We was watching some Netflix. There is plenty other than turn on that news, girl, because it's literally like, like it's, you were already upset. Mm-hmm. So you're just adding fuel to your fire. And then these people went home handcuffed free everything that night had dinner with their families but you sitting there upset because this and this didn't happen to them so you altered your evening for them and again that was it makes so much sense (laughs) but but seriously like how if we think about it how many people really altered their evening or yeah. their mood was upset, right? Because I think even if we look at it in the in the in the the bigger picture, right? Because that that very day, um, or that night before, right? Uh, uh, Warnock was projected the winner of Georgia, and during all this madness, they called Ossoff, and so that was minimized you know, in the news, it kind of came and went, right? And what stayed on the news was the chaos that was going on. And so I feel as if, you know, like all of this went, but we missed the opportunity to actually um, congratulate and celebrate and be happy about, you know, that Georgia is blue. But do you, but do you see, because think about it, this has been planned for months. Yeah. Let's go there. Have you been hearing Trump? <laughs> like, this isn't the first time. This has been pre. This has been pre-planned. As you've seen some videos, the police opening. They, but this is another reason to get us black people upset, angry. But it's like, but y'all, this has been in our face for months. Mm. So now everybody was so upset because they thought they missed something. They said, "What am I missing? Where, where did we? What happened?" Y'all, that's why you say you watch the news this been in the news it's just are you really looking though you know what i mean are you really seeing like what is happening behind the scenes yes these georgia's blue right but we couldn't even congratulate because look what happened that is so true and that's so real because i i i i mean i don't think i i don't think i said anything about ossoff and warnock on wednesday or thursday like i just think that it was an all-consuming thing and i just wonder because, you know, I, I, I always think about, too, that um, when I was younger, like, we were outside. You know what I mean? Like, and so um, I, I think about what happened to those, what happened to those kids that used to always be on the playground, and now we're stuck in the house on our phones. Or on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. And not that any of those things are bad, <laughs> but we don't do them in moderation. We do you them in excess. Right. And so, you know, I just think it's extremely interesting that because when I was six or seven, we were outside. We were outside for most of the day. 
that's another topic for another day. But uh, parents, get your kids off the iPads. Get yeah, them take get somebody them to the park. Get them off because you don't know how actually you're you're not helping them, especially now that their school is virtual. Mm. They, a lot of kids. I have so many kids on my caseload. First of all, yeah, the amount of kids I have digressed. Wow, tremendously. Virtual learning is not helping them. Mm-hmm. It's not. They're, they haven't learned anything all year. I can promise you that. They haven't. So, you know, and shout out to the teachers because they're doing the best. They they're doing only what they can do. Yeah. So it's really not their fault. But it's just this virtual learning is not helping them, you know? And it doesn't help that they're on a computer for eight hours and then they get an iPad in their face for the next till they go to bed. Where's the so They don't get social, uh, social skills anymore. You know, so much to, to digest. Oh, so much. There's so much. And it's just like how, but then now how can we show up in this new normal? Yeah. Because for the people saying, I just can't wait till it goes back to normal. Sorry, but it's not. Yeah. <laughs> we have been in this in a year. So now it's time to adjust to a new normal because nothing's going back the same. We are literally like in a new world order in a way, you know what I mean? Um, and so it's just really trying to see, like, how like, are you going to eventually just put your kids in homeschool and figure it out that way? You know, there, there's so many questions because are we ever really going to be able to be in a classroom again with about 20 kids? Is it ever going to be a thing again, you know? Right. Well, it's, just, it's just so much to think about. And, it, and I think that's where, especially, again, with everything else going on in the world, plus trying to figure out how we're supposed to survive through a pandemic and live normally, quote unquote, like, you know, it's just, okay, that's why it's, it's kind of like, okay, we need to mind our business. We need to get our health okay. We need to think about how we're going to move forward in this new normal because nothing is going to go back the same and let those people worry about themselves and do what they need to do in that government because we can't do anything by being upset. We just going to be mad. That is so, literally so much to digest. And I know I'm going to be thinking about that for like three days. <laughs> so Aisha, if you had any last words or words of encouragement for people that are listening to this podcast episode, what would you say to them? I think I told you one of my favorite mantras. Um, and it's from one of these, um, the, these ladies I watch on um, Instagram. She's called The Hood Healer. <laughs> but um, she says, like, if you have breath, you have options. So as long as you are breathing on this earth, as long as you can, you feel like you have some passion or you feel like you, you can add something to this world, like there's always an option and there's always the options to choose yourself. There's always an option to just continue to show up for yourself. Like I truly love saying like, show up for yourself. Like how, despite everything going on in your life, like if, if, none of that was even a thing, how would you still want to show up for yourself? And once you figure that out, do it, be it, you know, and um, get in communion with people. Like, don't shut yourself off. Like, cause it, it just, it doesn't help anyone. It doesn't make you feel better, you know? Um, so I just encourage people to really reach out, especially during these times, reach out to the people around you. You know, you don't have to be alone. It, there's people there just reach out sometimes we have to be the ones to take the initiative and speak up because people can't tell what you're going through if you don't talk about it you know they're just gonna oh how you been doing good oh okay well enjoy you know so it's just like really just show up for yourself and just be there for yourself and because you know why because you're worthy and you deserve it Aisha Ike everybody I have thoroughly 
enjoyed this conversation. It has been, you dropped so many gems. I don't even know what to call this thing. Um, <laughs> I might call it cake by the pound or something just because <laughs> like you just dropped so many gems that are just so needed and necessary, especially in today's climate. And I just thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. It felt like therapy to me, maybe because I was doing a lot of the talking, but I'm just hoping that people really just really eat this up because it was just tremendous. So I just thank you so much for sitting with me and talking with me for about an hour, almost an hour. Um, And on my very first podcast episode, I am just so thrilled that you are my first guest and this this exceeded um, any expectations that I had. Um, and so I'm just so, so, so thankful that you met with me today. Um, this was well, incredible. I wanna thank you for having me. And so I didn't even know I was your first guest. So thank you, that was, <laughs> wow. Um, but honestly, this is great what you're doing and it can feel like sometimes like okay why am I doing this but like keep going despite of and listen there's gonna be people who will doubt but again don't worry about those people worry about your goals worry about and continue to focus and this is this is gonna turn into something great thank you I'm I'm praying I'm hoping I can reach people and that people will see that you know there with every story people are people and that's really what I want to highlight at this on this Mm -hmm. podcast is that you know, everybody has a story and you can find community if you just talk to people, if you allow people to dish it, if you allow people to, to understand what their challenges are and what they're passionate about and how they can, um, you know, walk alongside you. I think one of my, my favorite things that I always say to myself is I want to bring my table to someone else's table so that we have two long tables. I don't want to take what you have and put it on my table because then my table gets cluttered, right? I want to be able to say, oh, I got mashed potatoes over here, but she has or they have steak and gravy and I want those to go together. You want some of my mashed potatoes? Can I have some of your... I want that. I want. I don't want everything to be on one table. I want to just continue to all enlarge. Learn. We all learn from each other. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a competition. It doesn't have to, you can let it, if you just like let that pride and ego go, you can see like, wow, I could, I could learn from that person, yeah. you know, like yeah. seriously, like, even this right now. Cause one, I don't know, I get really, I'm learning to step into more confidence mm-hmm. this year and just, and so this was like me, like when you asked at first, I was like, nah, girl, I'm good. But yeah, I was like, no, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna just do it. And listen, so I thank you again. Aisha Ike, everybody. Y'all, wow. I can't even describe how awesome that conversation was for me. Um, And this is just episode one, season one. Um, But I'm so thankful that you decided to come along this journey with me. It means so much. This is me stepping out on faith and seeing what is out there for me, taking it by the horns and just clearing my own path. And I'm just so glad that you guys decided that you would come and just chat with me, dish it with me for a little bit. Um, Many thanks. Until we meet again, have a good day.